Welcome to Madison City Channel's Know Your Candidates inter Interviews, co-sponsored by the League of Women Voters of Dane County. I'm your interviewer, Gail Bliss, and I would like to introduce Blair Mosner Feldham, running for Madison Metropolitan School Board Seat 6. As we begin, I'd like you to give an opening statement as to your educational, vocational, and civic experience you have, which qualifies you for this office and why you are running for the Madison Metropolitan School Board. Thanks. Uh, I am Blair Mosner Feltham. I'm a former public school teacher and I still, I still work in public schools even though I have um, a non-classroom job now. Uh, I've been working in public schools for 12 years. I taught ninth and 10th grade at Madison West High School for three years and then served the students of Madison West for four more years as a learning coordinator and instructional coach. Uh, before working at West, I worked at two different high schools in California, one big comprehensive high school that served more than 3,000 students and one really small charter high school that served less than 250. Um, in all of those high schools, I taught required social studies courses. Um, uh, and then in between California and West High, when I was waiting for my teaching credential to transfer over, I worked as a special ed assistant substitute for about 10 weeks at LVM Elementary in a kindergarten classroom, and then for about six months as an office assistant at the Department of Public Instruction. Um, so that, that's the basic is, um, you know, I, I have public school experience and a lot of it. I really know schools. Um, and if you've ever experienced the joy of learning and growing in a community with um, support from an educator who sees you as an individual and sees your uniqueness and has the freedom to nurture that, um, then you know the power of, of um, high quality educational experiences. I, my estimate is that I've directly served about a thousand teenagers. Um, and you know, to do that work, I give my, my heart and my mind and my time to create those quality experiences. And this is um, the pride and joy of my life. Um, oh, so much. Um, <laughs> I'm just a public school person. Uh, I have a lot of knowledge and experience in public schools, uh, seven years in Madison, um, and now I'm in my eighth year in Dane County Public Schools. Um, and it's that experience, that real school knowledge that I feel qualifies me to serve as a Madison Metro board member. I know and I believe that we can provide Madison children with quality school experiences that affirm and inspire and develop the skills that they need for their lives, not just in the future, but right now. Um, that experience really matters. School systems are complex, but there are basic moves that we can make right away that would improve the conditions inside of schools. I know where the focus needs to be to make that happen because I have all this experience um, and then the other thing I'll say, uh, because I know public schools and because I know teaching, I know that teaching and learning is complex, it's uncertain, it's intellectual work and it's interpersonal work that takes a lot of time to do well. And the only way that we can provide quality educational experiences for young people is if the people who directly serve students in schools um, have the resources that they need to do that complex, uncertain, intellectual, interpersonal work. Um, yeah, that's me. Question one. In school report cards that the Department of Public Instruction released late last year, 
Black youth continue to perform the worst on English language arts in Madison, with less than 9% at least proficient. What does the district need to do to improve the literacy outcomes for Black students? I'll provide quality experiences in schools. This is my, this is my vision. There's a lot of, um, and I'll look at my notes a little bit here. Oftentimes when people wanna use this framing of this gap or schools are failing or specifically black students are failing, like what they're looking for or what they hope will happen is that there will be some like technical fix or a program or an initiative um, that, will, that will fix this, that will, that will fix the situation. And I, I have two things to say about that. One is that when we look at the qualitative only metrics, we are missing a huge piece of the puzzle because students are individual people who we love and care about and you know see as the children of our community because they are. And so just these single metrics when we talk about students, I, I struggle with that. And I think it's a setup that um, otherizes those students. Um, but I also think that, um, I don't know, you know, when you look at those metrics, if you have experience in school, first of all, tons of students do not care about the tests that they're supposed to take to prove that because they're not quality experiences. And I, I right now I'm in the middle of tons of testing coordination. I recognize and appreciate the need to have that data. But when we talk about experiences in school, these are unconnected to the world. These are happening like they feel out of nowhere and, and students don't always take them seriously. So I don't, I also wonder about how accurate all that data always is. But to go back to my first piece, there's no um, there's no technical solution to this, right? The only way forward is to be providing quality experiences to young people in schools. And students are really clear. I've talked to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of young people about what they want out of their school experience, about what they experience day to day in school. And they're really clear about what they want. They want experiences that affirm and see their uniqueness as individuals. They want learning that is creative, that is connected to the world around them and they wanna drive that learning. They wanna be able to take their interest and run with it. And right now we're not really set up to allow that. Um, and I think that's the move. The district identified restorative justice as a key component for enhancing school safety when school resource officers were removed from the schools. How do you think this is working and what would you like to see the district do over the next three years? Thanks for that question. Um, I was working in um, at West the year that MMSD um, pro provided for restorative justice coaches at all the high schools. Um, and West hired an amazing restorative justice coach who is full of vision and skill. Um, and so I'm, I'm into it. Uh, I think it's important to remember, and MMSD doesn't always do a great job of remembering that restorative justice practices are borrowed from indigenous communities. Um, in North America, and I just wanna stick that in there. Uh, just like we talk about literacy rates, I think that the key to school safety is also high quality educational experiences. Um, one thing that I think has been a real struggle in the schools as we've started to introduce restorative justice is uh, actually having the resources to do it correctly. It's not, it's not enough to just say, okay, we have this new person full of vision and skill and nothing else. And the resource that I'm really talking about here is time. Restorative justice is a time intensive process, right? To, to sit down with young people who are in conflict, to sit down with young people and adults who are in conflict. 
have the full conversation with everybody and really give it time, we don't have that resource. And so, so what happens is restorative justice acts like um, another initiative that you can just slide in as if it doesn't require this major intellectual interpersonal resource, and it does. Um, the second part of your question was, what would I like to see in the RJ space next? Uh, a couple of things. I would love to see the RJ space and the curricular space together. Uh, it really bugs me when we talk about school safety as if it's a separate thing from the rest of the school experience. And students don't experience them separately. They experience them together. And so if we're going to take RJ seriously, what that means is when things come out of an RJ process where students are saying, I really want X, Y, and Z out of my educational experience, we can give that to them. And right now we can't. Right now we use RJ almost as like a, it's like a Band-Aid and it, it really has the power to transform. And I would like to see the resources devoted to it for that. The use of seclusion and restraint in the 2021-2022 school year dropped by 65.8% from the 2018-2019 school year. While staff noted that this is highly encouraging, significant disparities in the use of seclusion and restraint continue to impact youth of color and youth with disabilities. What would you like to see the district do to address these longstanding disparities? That's such a good question. Um, again, I'm gonna go back to what it takes to, to make school quality experiences, um, to make quality experiences in school. Um, you know, I've been, I've been in classrooms when students are, um, students with disabilities are, are really elevated. And you, if you don't have the intellectual space to prep your class for the students you have, whose triggers may or may not be known, you cannot provide a safe environment. It's not possible to do that work without, without the proper resource. And when you're talking about a group of 30 students, and one adult, that resource is time to think and plan. Um, and just, just like with all of my other answers, the key here is, is digging into the core of what it means to be in a learning community and to prepare for a learning community. So, so that's, that's one thing I would like to, that's just the thing I keep going back to. It's, you know, teaching is complex, but it's not, I mean, people have been doing it for as long as there have been people. Um, but what it takes is, is time and planning for the individual students that you have. And I, I think that that's the key to fixing all of the, all of the issues that we see coming up in school is really giving, giving that resource and that attention to the core of what it means to be in a learning community. What role do you think parents should have in determining school district policies around politically divisive issues? Well, I've had a good one for that because that was in the questionnaire from League of Women Voters too. I can just, I, can, I got that one down. So I think, I basically think that when we, when we think about parents as the only stakeholder, uh, we're missing, we're missing the point. Um, schools are not a service that the city provides to parents. And I, I am a parent. So, so I totally recognize the, the way in which schools do function as, as my childcare so I can go to work. Um, but it's not, it's so much more than that. Schools are, are community, collective community projects. Um, 
that are how all of the adults of our city care for the young people in our lives. Um, and so I, I take issue with the um, parents are the key because parents are a piece of the puzzle. And I, I do encourage and expect and love the robust engagement that we have from parents across the city. Um, but my dream would be to see that engagement, not just from parents, but from, from community members who aren't parents or whose children have um, graduated from MMSD or whose children never went to MMSD, who moved here after their children were through school. Um, and the other thing I would add is, you know, because I've served like a thousand teenagers directly, I really feel like we could be doing a much better job engaging recent graduates and people under 25 in helping to make decisions for the school district. So, so I'm looking for, for some of that as well. What, if anything, do you think the district needs to do to support teachers who data suggests are under considerable stress so that they can both teach their curriculum and support students? Oh, this is this is the big question, right? It's like, what does it take to do the work? Like I've been saying this whole time is like there's a core to what we should be doing at school. And it's about the learning communities that we build. It takes time and it takes attention. Teaching and learning is complex. It is uncertain. There are not clear answers because we're dealing with individuals' development. There's, there's no straight shot for that for any individual. It's interpersonal <laughs> and it's intellectual. It takes a lot of thinking. And so, so the, the key for me, and I, I feel confident in this answer because I have talked to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of MMSD teachers about this, is improving those working conditions specifically around time. If we don't have time to think, we cannot do the work. And so one of the things that happens often, I, I find, as school districts are trying to make choices, is they're making choices that sound like they'll be really good for teachers, but in fact, really constrain teachers' ability to do their work. So for example, just in the past couple of years, um, I heard the phrase, um, we're going to invest 100 hours of training for teachers. Um, and that sounds really good, but in actuality, what that means is you have 100 more hours of work to do without any additional weeks of um, contract time, you know, without being able to go into June or July, without being able to work for your on contract in August. Um, and time is really the key. Please tell us about any other areas that we haven't addressed that are priorities for your term in office and your specific qualifications to address those areas. My last, my last licks. Um, I want to say that I think it's possible. I know it's possible to provide higher quality experiences for young people. I think it will take focus. Um, and I think it will take commitment. One thing that I was in a meeting um, when I was working in MMSD with um, some people through the like innovation space um, in MMSD, that's a partnership with AmFam. And one of the outside people who came in talked about how in her line of work, um, they expect to see results in seven to 10 years. And people think that's really fast. She's not in education. She's in a different universe. Um, whereas in education, what we do is we're like, okay, we're going to try this thing. It's really expensive. It's really time consuming to do. We're going to try it for six months. And if it doesn't fix everything, we're going to drop it. And that's a mistake. Things take time. So I would love to see focus and commitment. Um, 
yeah, that's the thing I didn't say yet. What else would you like to say to the viewing audience as we complete this interview? Um, at my core, I'm a teacher. I'm a public school teacher dedicated to building the communities of learning for young people that affirm and inspire. I did this work as a classroom teacher. And since I've left the classroom, I've been supporting that work. Um, as a coach um, at the building level, at the program level. And now I'm looking for this opportunity to take that same vision to the citywide level. I know that we can provide quality experiences for Madison youth by making focus changes that hit at the classroom and the school level right away. Um, I'm ready to serve my adopted city as a BOE member, and I hope that you will have me. My name is Blair Mosner Feltham. Thank you. I want to thank Blair Mosner Feltham for speaking with us and the viewing audience for taking the time to know your candidates. I want to remind everyone that the primary election day is Tuesday, February 21st, and the general election is Tuesday, April 4th. As with every election, please vote. On behalf of Madison City Channel and the League of Women Voters of Dane County, I thank you for joining us.